Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for your goodness in this season. Thank you for the house of God where we're gathered with the people of God. We're enumerated amongst those that fear your name and keep your holy day, the Lord's day. And we're here, Lord, because we want to celebrate and praise and we want to hear from you. We want to be able to receive from you the things that you have for us in preparation for these days that we are living. So we pray that you give us a heart to understand and a spirit to welcome your word so that we not sin against you, so that we not walk contrary to your timeline in this earth, Lord. We pray, Father, that your word would be a good seed planted in good hearts that bring forth good fruit, O God, that we would have a harvest of a life that glorifies you, that points to you, that is thankful to you. Thank you for the abundance of all things good. And Lord, we know even the things that you allow to happen into our life, they will work out for good according to uh, your purpose and because we love you and we're seeking to please you at all times. So prosper your word in our hearts and in our lives and in our families. And Father, that your word not return void, but accomplish that for which you send it out and heal us and deliver us through your word. And we give you thanks that your word is like a, as sharp as a double-edged sword that penetrates into the depth of who we are to divide between the soul and the spirit so that we're able to accomplish and fulfill your pleasure and not ours, Lord. Be glorified. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So um, the, the title of our message this morning is Offended Mighty Men at Christmas. And this, this whole concept of offense um, is one that we are all too familiar with the opposite is that which pleases us, that which we welcome and we receive. Um, and, and the Bible clearly shows that an offended brother is, uh, is almost like uh, somebody that's held in prison and taken captive. And it, it describes the bars of a jail in a dungeon. It's hard to um, escape from the snare of offense. If, if you get offended, um, the other word that is familiar with it is a snare. Um, it's, it's a trap. And it's a trap that you cannot easily shake so that we are not a people because of what we know about this spiritual condition of being offended. Um, it, it is such... Uh, the Greek word is scandalon, which basically um, is a little snare. Uh, it's, it's actually, I don't know if you, you remember, this is like the old cartoons uh, scenario where you have a little box contraption and you have this little stick here. And if you come in here and the stick moves, it traps you. And so that little stick is called the scandalon. And, and y these things are everywhere. These capacities to be offended. And 
I'll tell you, years ago, there was a gentleman that would come to this church, a very fond brother, beloved like crazy. And um, he, he decided to go into ministry. And, and, and ministry is a, a sinister place where offense is daily. Um, you, you could get so offended in church in a, in a snapshot in, in two seconds. And, and this man was actually, he says, Pastor, I want to help your ministry, your worldwide ministry. And I had taught, uh, uh, I had a teaching that talked about um, the world-changing offense and, and being careful not to fall in that trap of being offended. And he says, I'm going to prepare the casing for your teaching on offense. And I thought it was fabulous. I said, man, you know something, that's helpful. I think we could hear at the house of God. Uh, this morning I came into my office and the air conditioning wasn't working and Jules ran and, and, and did something, and then I got fresh air, and then Oscar called the mechanic, and he had him promise to come out this morning. So you see those that are involved in ministry are taking care of business in things I don't have time to do because I'm preparing for God's Word. But everybody, the rehearsal here, the worship team, the camera people, everybody is busy on task serving their Lord, the ushers. Um, so this man decided he's going to help the pastor and he's going to help my worldwide ministry. And he's going to do the casing that said, you know, don't be offended type of deal. And he had a nice cover and everything. And then all of a sudden, Mark Natera, who was starting graphic design, and he, he saw what the brother had done. And he says, no, I can't let my pastor go out with this design. I have to design something. And, and he started designing something. So we had two brothers. They're both designing something for the betterment of the ministry. And then um, when the first brother comes over, he says, Pastor, I finished. All of a sudden, Mark comes in and he says, I finished. And I, I didn't tell either of them to do it, nor did I tell either of them to get offended. But this one brother, the first one, got offended and left the church. So that shows you that, that the trap of offense is not even set up by the pastor necessarily or by the church, and, and the devil is moving his pieces in places, and if you're prone to wait for the opportunity to be offended, I promise you it's coming. Why? Because the devil wants that box to fall, and you are inside, and you can't get out. And every time you try to do something, that brother has never been able to come back. It's already been 10 years. But, but what we've done in 10 years is changed the world, and he hasn't participated. He wanted to, he initially had mustered enough energy to move in that direction, but when, when he was sideswiped by another brother who also wanted to do something, and, um, and so I'm, I'm of the disposition that we are going to use whatever we can to change the world. So we're, we're not in limitations. Another brother had designed, and this is another, another brother who got offended and left the church. When we were putting up this main screen, we had drawn a design with two screens. And so we're going to have a, a projector on this side, a smaller one, and a smaller one on this one. And then the idea came for one big one, like a movie theater, and we decided to go with this one. By the way, in parentheses, we are going to get the LED screen by the new year. It's going to be phenomenal. God is good. So um, you might want to wear, wear sunglasses when you come uh, in the new year because we're going to have a... a, a the latest LED design up there. Um, 
And, and so God has been good. But okay, so in that brother, we, we were going to put a screen on this side with a projector, a screen on this side with a projector. We went with the big screen. He got offended and left the church. So look at these people who want to do the, they have a zeal for God, but because it's not being done their way or how they think, they're no longer here. So I remember one of the brothers came and he says, Pastor, I have a special donation before the end of the year. I want to give $10,000 to the church. But do me a favor. He, this is, he gave it, and then he called me like a couple of days later. He says, will you promise me that you're not going to tell me what you do with the money so I don't get offended? Isn't that great? I thought that was phenomenal. I thought it was great that this brother says, you know something? I'm not going to let the devil start picking on my heart to drag me out because I'm upset that the pastor, you know, did or the church did something with the money. So... Um, do you see that this is more real than not? And, and I had a real problem. I was challenged by bringing this message on Christmas because I'm like, Lord, this is not a Christmas message. And he goes, oh, yes, it is. And so I'm going to trust God that he knows more than I do. And, and I'll start with knowing that uh, those of you that have been in America long enough, you would have seen a movie called The Christmas Carol. And The Christmas Carol is a Charles Dickens novel and uh, later became a movie and you should watch it if you haven't watched it yet and and you'll see the different characters in this movie that comes from the Charles Dickens novel and the the gentleman Ebenezer Scrooge as a good name for people that get offended on Christmas uh, an old man who's transformed um, because he has experiences of bitterness because of life's treatment over himself and, and I, I, I would like to suggest that if you carry an offense because of something that has happened in your lifetime, today's a good day to ask God to deliver you from that sentiment. Because, because what happens is that in the Christmas holidays, when you're supposed to be joyful because you're whole, held by an offense, you cannot be. And, and you have the tendency to sit there and say, I can't fully celebrate Christmas because this happened in my past. And so I have a question for you. Why are you still dragging on to your past? And I'll tell you why, because you're stuck in offense. And, and so um, I, I want to move along because this is a subject matter and an area that we don't have opportunity enough to be delivered from if if you if you enumerate the amount of people that for some reason i just named a couple of reasons this morning and those are like nothing compared you're like i wouldn't be offended at that no but you're offended at whatever you're offended and that is the key of this message why the one brother stumbled on a little stone doesn't doesn't make a scenario scenario is i want to say that that this recipe of offense is straight out of the devil's playbook in hell. And it doesn't matter in what direction you are. If you're not careful, and, and I praise God for those of you that carry no offense and, and could freely forgive and, and not take offense and you live above that dark fray and, and be careful lest you fall, the Bible says. Um, so that being said, this Christmas carol story, um, 
is really powerful. When you're offended and, and how you are able to be delivered from holding a grudge or not being overcome by an offense. And it, it could have been years ago that this occasion happened, but because you're holding on to it, for you, it happened today. You carry the same sentiments as if it was just happening, um, usually related to a perceived injustice. You're, you're saying, I didn't deserve that, or that was too harsh, or that was not right, or it should have been done a different way. And the truth of the matter, uh, this old miser, Ebenezer Scrooge, um, who's experienced a string of hurts in his lifetime, uh, is chained to his past. And so in the story, um, he is taken to several situations where those chains are broken. And I want to tell you that God's anointing breaks the yoke. That the presence of God in your life is supposed to come so that you're set free and not holding on to yesteryear. And, and I, I've been the, the favored recipient, recipient of letters where people ooh, go on for pages telling me how offended they are at something I did or was a part of. And, and so I've been able to see them. When you get a laundry list of the things people are offended of, um, it, it's like they just vomited on you. It's like they, they took all their gastrointestinal juices and just spewed them on you, on you and, and, and you don't feel good. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's the slime, like, like in the Nickelodeon when they slime you. That, that's what it is when somebody tries to bring back their offenses and pour them over your head to make sure that you're baptized in the toxic waste of hell. Um, so that uh, being able to be set free and overcome these offenses is the glory of God. Uh, I believe there's even a, a, uh, a Bible verse on that, and it says it's the glory of God um, to overlook an offense. Could you guys find that for me? I don't know if I brought it in my notes or not, but I do know that it's one of my favorite verses because um, it tells me that if I'm going to wear not the stench of hell, but the glory of of the character of Christ is because I overlook an offense. And the devil doesn't want you to do that um, because the manner in which you're able to overlook an offense is because, yeah, there it is. There's another one. Okay, let's, let's go to this one first. Discretion of a man makes him slow to anger and his glory is to overlook a transgression. So, so you want to fall on God's side. You, you want to be on God's side of an offense. Why? Because the opposite side is to be in the devil's prison. You're taken captive to all matter and sorts of conducts and behaviors only because he got you. You know, he, he, he was able to lay it on you uh, the, the trap was set and you fell inside. And so what happens in that dark chamber of torture and, and, and sentiments that are not favorable to you as a son of God. And, and the opposite is the glory. The glory is the character attribute of God. 
here uh, I'm reminded of everything that took place upon the cross and, and our leader, our master, to add insult to injury, he says, I'm thirsty, and they give him a sponge with vinegar. And I, I want to tell you that that is more likely what will happen to us on this earth than somebody giving you a sponge with water or Gatorade. And when you're thirsty, don't expect people to come and to soothe your disposition because we are in a twisted world and it's going to require you not to not be offended or not to not be given things that are bitter at your taste but things that are going to require a strength where you're able to say father forgive them for they know not what they do and you need to do that that's that's an ace card to trump the devil in you falling into a trap and i pray that prayer on a daily basis in order for me to keep my joy in order for me to be able to celebrate the season we are at um let's go to 25 2 you said proverbs 25 2 is another verse that talks about the same thing it's the glory of god to conceal a matter and the glory of kings is to search out a matter so uh, th this aspect of being able to say you know something I don't know how this plays in the scheme of things, but I'm going to trust God and not take vengeance to myself. Uh, he, he says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. That, that's another glorious verse in the, in the book of Romans. Uh, you guys look it up for me also. Um, vengeance is mine, I will repay. So you're able to take whatever the situation is and just hand it over to God and you continue as if it had not happened. You, you need to grow up to that level of maturity. You need to be able to celebrate the good things of the Lord. Romans 12, 19, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for God, it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. I'll tell you how far this verse goes in my life. That whenever I'm offended or I feel injustice is being done, um, I'm like freaking out saying, Lord, don't do as they deserve. And, and so now, not only am I not offended because I've given it over to God, now I'm interceding for those people that I've perceived have offended me. Because God takes that and he deals it with, with precise justice and I'm unscathed. It doesn't enter my heart and affect my devotion to be there. Because you guys can imagine how uh, sinister it must be. Pastor's going to get payback. He's going to go after them. No, I'm not going to go after them. I'm at peace. I'm not going to allow... Of, and, and how many know that after this ver after today's message, we're all going to be, you know, on the crosshairs of hell, you know, and before the new year, nobody shows up on the 31st to celebrate the new year. Um, so again, we need to talk about these things. I, I didn't necessarily pick Christmas other than this guy, Ebenezer Scrooge, has to deal with his past offenses and hurts. And, and that movie's all about that reality. 
but we're going to take it into scripture and we're going to we're going to say lord let's dig a little deeper into this scenario the bible says um romans 14 19 so let us pursue other things since the devil wants to put us on a pursuit to get back and to be offended and to strategize listen you could fake it all you want i know you're offended i know when you're offended offended people isolate they withdraw they don't come into the middle of the party there's something rubbing them wrong and i don't know if it's intentionally um but but if you read between the lines and you and you take a snapshot of the atmosphere their offense is driving them away from what would be the encouragement of love they they they, they their roadmap shows you know if, if there were gps and there's a plot of people they're always like i'm not going to go there and they're, they're, they could act all they want. They could celebrate. They could pretend. They, I know what's going on. And, and now that I'm, I'm just, I'm not all-knowing, but God knows what's going on. And, and the devil has your mojo. He's, he's, he's right up in your crawl. And the reason is there is something stuck inside. And you can pretend all you want, but you're depriving yourself your family, your fellowship, and all around. You're, you're depriving just a whole bunch of things. Um, I'll I tell you what, and I'll, I'll go on record publicly to say this, that about 15 years ago, my older brother and his wife got offended at me, and that broke off fellowship for 15 years. They got offended. And so um, it, it's been a grueling process where a separation of a brother with a brother, his children and my children are first cousins and cannot fellowship because of an offense. And so not being able to deal with, with these things has separated and divided a family. The devil is a liar. A, a house divided cannot prosper. If that family were here, if that family would not have been offended, if it would not have been divided, we'd be a powerhouse on steroids. We'd be on fire for God, but the devil was sure enough to bring his dirty intervention into a holy calling and family. And so the Bible says, let us pursue the things which make for peace. It should have read, let's make sure that we bring offense so there's no peace and there's no union. See, that, that's, that's not what the Bible says, to take offense and separate. It says, Seek those things which are in agreement for peace because that's where the power of God is. And I want to say, I'm not going to pretend that you're mature or that you're sophisticated in the Lord. So you can't. You can't walk as God would have you, which is to pursue the things which make for peace because you're bringing up the things for what it makes for strife. You're bringing up the things that make for contention. You're bringing up the things that make you more uncommon than common and the things by which you may edify one another so i tell people often if people followed your example what would the church look like 
there would be no Christmas gala because you take offense and you do not participate. Oh, no, but I had, you didn't have nothing. You, you did not have the things which make for peace and build up the church. So there was families in this church for years. They would pick the particular celebration times of the year to take their vacation, to avoid responsibility, obligation, participation, and ultimately the glory of God because we're stronger together than apart. In unity, man, that was a powerhouse. 75 volunteers for the gala this year. 75! I, I was blown away that some people went to their job and says, I need the week off. Why, are you going to Italy? You're going to France? You're going to Greece? No, I'm going to be a volunteer at my church's Christmas gala. And you're like, what? Yes, my friend, there are people living life before God at that level. There's people that are taking verbatim the spirit of Christ to involve themselves and cannot make for even a plausible, minute expression of, I really don't like him. Well, Jesus does. Jesus likes him a whole lot. In fact, Jesus loves him. In fact, Jesus would have his son die for him. And I know you can't tolerate a moment in his presence. But the truth of the matter is you're stuck. And you're being deprived on walking with God. And so we're going to see here in just a moment that it's not only Ebenezer Scrooge. How many know it's not only Ebenezer Scrooge that has a lifelong list of his hurts and ills which he's offended not to celebrate Christmas. He won't even light the chimney with a piece of coal and he prefers to be dwelling there in the isolated coldness of his um, really grudges and bitterness. So here the Bible says, do not uh, pursue things such as this, but things that pursue peace, connections, reconciliation. Pursue those things that make you fonder and richer i've said it a million times i'll say it till i die people decide to have their catalog of all their offenses and things they go back years if you read the story of mephibosheth um his his grandfather was offended and um it, it was a story of of Bathsheba. her her father was one of david's counselor and he always held against David even though he sat on the board and the cabinet of advisors of King David he always was upset that King David had taken his granddaughter yeah that's what it was his granddaughter was Bathsheba and it wasn't Mephibosheth but he has another name just as difficult huh Ahithophel there it is uh, thanks for wife my wife Ahithophel um he was so bitter at David and he sat on the David's advisory board and he gave him counsel. The Bible says when Ahithophel spoke, it was like if God was speaking. And he always gave David the right answer. But on the opportunity of Absalom's, David's son's rebellion, where he was going to come against David, Ahithophel crossed over and started telling David's son, let me venge and kill your father for what he did with my granddaughter 
years ago. So look, a counselor of David who was a wise man who spoke like God, his offense at that David had messed with his granddaughter and had her husband killed and committed adultery, he held that as an injustice that years later it would come out and be birthed because the, the offense is like the shingles. It comes out when you least know it. It's inside your body already. And in a moment of vulnerability, the offense comes out. You develop a body-wide rash that, that is very painful. It's very irritable. And so in that moment of betrayal, Ahithophel tells Absalom, I know how we could catch your father and let me kill him. So he actually sat on the board of the man he wanted to kill all those years, but in passive reserve until the opportunity. This sounds like an amazing plot here, but, but I, know that, I know that some of you and, and some people upon planet Earth are dying because they're offended by me. They're dying for my downfall in Christ. They're dying for spring of life to fall apart. They're dying for this to come to an end. But I, I want to tell you people, it's not, there's, there's a strong climate of the presence of God. There's, there's a people, there's a people that are going on with God. And, and you know, some we, we uh, I got to hurry up because this is going to take a while. Um, Proverbs 18, 19, when a brother's offended, he's harder to be one than a strong city. They say some of you have offended brothers and don't want them to be offended and you want to fix the things, but they're stuck behind the prison doors of a dungeon. They cannot come out. And contingent, contentions, um, those things, those arguments, those, those the, the conversations that are contrary to the pursuit of peace and the edification of love are like strong bars in a castle. Uh, again, uh, you'll see this. What does Jesus say in the light of all these things in Matthew eleven six? 6? Blessed is whoever shall not be offended in me. He actually talks about it. He pinpoints this as an aspect. Remember, some, some people look at Jesus' words historically within the context of his life, the New Testament, and the New Testament church. But this is God speaking. And he's speaking this word in light of his experience in the universe and within his creation. So you'll see there that when he says, blessed is the one who is not offended, this state of having suffered again, we're going to say this, um, as the many prisms and colors of a rainbow, um, so are the opportunities to be offended. There's the people that are offended. My father abandoned us. People are offended. My, my spouse cheated on me. People are offended. My, my son, you know, didn't honor me. Whatever the offense that, that, that is trying to lodge in your heart, I want to declare it not coming from the Lord. I want to declare it as you can have victory over this thing, and that's the purpose of this message. So Jesus says, you'll be more blessed whoever shall not be offended as things are taking place. Um, if, if you look through history, and I don't have time to go through history, but every time somebody's acting out in a manner which is against, it, it walks contrary to the purpose of God, its foundation is found in an offense. In other words, whenever offense comes, it, 
really defiles your existence. And, and so we have it there that Jesus uh, was not able to... Matthew 13, 58, as he came to his own town, and that's what I thought Obama should have done when he was president for eight years, is to go to Chicago and clean it up. Um, but the Bible says Jesus could not do many mighty works uh, there in his hometown because of their unbelief. But you say, okay, the, the mighty God, Jesus Christ, the King of kings, King of glory, Lord of lords, comes to his hometown with the disposition to start passing out all these miracles, signs, and wonders, and is not able to work in that regard. And you say, well, what kept the atmosphere, you guys know, what kept the atmosphere from him able to do mighty works? You say it. Because they were offended at him. They, they, they had judged his trajectory to say, no, this is not the person that I know. And here in verse 54, it says, when he came to his own country, he taught in their synagogues and they were astonished. He taught them in their places of worship and they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and how does he do these mighty works? And instead of them going with the flow of God, with the substance of who he was, they chose verse 55 to be offended and take another road saying, he's a carpenter's son. That's not very reputable or prominent in our understanding, is not his mother Mary no big deal? His brothers James, jo uh, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? There's no big deal about this wonder uh, man who's doing all these mighty miracles. They're taking offense in this regard. Um, didn't allow them to move in that direction. Um, if you go to the next verse, his sister are not with us. Then where has this man, how does this man get all these things? Their astonishment, the next verse, verse 57 says, and they were offended. Everything was moved in place so that they took a, a, a posture that was contrary to the going with the flow of the Spirit. They were offended. And so Jesus says, I guess a prophet will not be honored, not be without honor except amongst his countrymen and amongst his own house. Let me tell you something. There is no greater place to take an offense if you decide to live with somebody. And all the family say, amen. Because you're constantly with the capacity to be rubbed wrong. But we're family, so we're going to forgive the offense and we're going to go on to tomorrow. Everybody gets a Christmas present. Everybody celebrates. Because we all have decided and, and this is what Jules says, and Jules says it very eloquently and articulately. He says, look, these people who get offended and they try to bring up all these reasons why they're offended in their house, if they took the same posture, there would be no fellowship. Because they decide in family to be intentional and purposeful. And they don't disown and they don't isolate and they don't separate and they got the worst bizarre dispositions of life uh it was funny because even last night at the marriage uh gathering uh, we go to have some fellowship to enjoy 
uh, at the far, far end of it. Uh, we had a long day yesterday, but when, when I show up and I sit down with a couple and they just started coming to church and they start telling me their life, I'm like, ah! It's just, just, just it's reckless abandonment of wrong in every direction. But they're still together. But they want to figure out if the church is decent to make sure that they fit in a good place. I'm like, are you kidding me? We're going to run your resume. So all these people that are vetting the church about how awful it is, when you get into the, I guess that's why Jules brought up that whole case. He says, well, you say, what about the church? I know you're in-laws. No. Okay. I'm serious. Because we're very antsy like that. Um, my best friend in, in college, his name was Howie. Um, we met, I led him to the Lord, he became a spiritual son. His father hated Hispanics. And I was Hispanic, and I'm leading his son into the Lord, so he hates me. And he says, you know something? He was a colonel in the army. He says, I hate two people. I hate Saddam Hussein, and I hate you. He told me to my face. Two people he hated, because he, I was Hispanic, because I led his son to the Lord, because he had been born again, and his father was upset. And I hey, sir, introduce me to your wife. He's married to a Mexican. I'm like, really? You hate Hispanics? Come on now. So you'll find people that are very, very delusional and mental when it comes to holding an offense and if you're not careful the devil will own your lunch this is a great christmas message god is is talking to his people they were offended and he was without honor and didn't do mighty works matthew 15 12 a couple chapters later jesus had already said in matthew eleven six, 6 blessed is he who's not offended and here his hometown was offended and matthew 15 as he came to the Pharisees, the disciples came up to him, verse 12, and said to him, do you not know that the Pharisees are offended when they heard these sayings of yours? So it seems to be that wherever Jesus is at, people are taking offense. So I used to like you until I knew you loved Jesus. Now you're one of the names of Jesus is the rock of offense. If you're not careful and you don't need, know how to deal with the fence, the devil is going to own your heart. And he began to deal with that in that passage, verses 12 through 19. we got to hurry up. Um, he continues on to say that there's many offenses that are going to come. Make sure that we're not what, uh, you know, after this message, you're going to go up to people and poke them in the eyes. You're not supposed to be offended or give them a wet willy on the ear. Um, no, listen to me. Don't offend people. You know, uh, let me do that. Through God's word and through God's righteousness. Let them be offended in this direction. And then I will allow the Lord to deal with whatever he needs to deal with. But don't cause offense. Uh, don't be one who rubs people wrong in the... He goes to such an extent in Matthew 18 verse 8. He says, if your hand or your foot causes you to stumble or to be offended, it's better that you throw it away. It's better for your entire life to be lame and maimed rather than to have two hands and two feet and go into hell because you can't tolerate offense and so if we go back in time and i need to fast forward real quick if we're going to finish this message um 
a lot of us don't know the historical context of the days of Noah. You, you, I'll, 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 I'll touch upon some of the things that worked up to him, like Genesis 6, 13. And God said to Noah, I intend to make an end of everything that lives. I will make an end of all flesh that has come before me upon the earth because it's filled with violence, things not in order. That's what the word violence means. It's that you, you, you leave the parameters set by God. Um, and behold, I will destroy them together with wiping out the whole land, the whole earth. Genesis chapter 7 verse 21 is the fulfillment of that, what he warned Noah. And he says, all flesh died that moved upon the earth. He extinguished the life of every breathing thing upon the earth. Birds, cattle, beasts, everything creeping that creeps on the earth and even every man. This is a somber verse, if you agree with me. That God decides to bring everything to a standstill finish because of the disposition and the craziness on the hearts of men. Verse 22 repeats and says, everything on the land in whose nostril was the breath of life and the spirit of life, all those things on dry land died. So, so the context of people telling you, oh, you think God's just going to wipe out everybody that doesn't believe in Jesus? He's done it once before. And, and he doesn't have an issue with doing it again. Um, he, he wants to grant everything life. He says, come to Jesus so that you can find life and life in abundance. But if you don't come to life, then you're rendered judged and dead. So he destroyed all things which were upon the face of the earth, both man and cattle, creeping thing and birds of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. Merry Christmas. If you decide to continue with your offense, you're a dead man walking. If your wife is infected with offense and you don't know how to minister to her, you're a dead man walking. Things that happened long ago, but that you carry fresh in your heart to hold a fist up at God and to say you're not fair. And you know something? Incidentally, right after this flood, a boy was born in a household in Genesis 10 verse 8 the Bible says that Cush gave birth to a boy named Nimrod and he began to raise up upon the earth as a mighty man this is after the flood this is a new species of man upon the earth and the history dictates that Nimrod held the grudge because as the story of his fathers were being told he began to say I have to do something to keep us away from a mean God listen to this after the flood Noah starts a family and he's the great son Cush is the grandson Nimrod the great-grandson and he starts having a narrative in his life the Almighty is a mean God he's not fair he crushed every inhabitant upon the earth 
So in his offense, he builds the Tower of Babel because he wants to live life in a manner where no flood could ever crush mankind again. And he starts raising up a fist that God, Nimrod, does historically accurate under the writings of the historian Josephus. And he says, why was the motive of building the Tower of Babel that we find in Genesis 11? Because Nimrod had convinced a whole bunch of people, let's not trust God. Let's go against him. Let's build our own tower and not be in agreement with the person who has the capacity to crush us in a moment. And so you'll see that that's the mindset of those that are offended from the beginning. Let's not be part of the team. Let's have our own team. And it was bent on rebellion. And they were rising up a structure. And the Bible says in verse 9, Genesis 10, 9, that tells us a little bit more about him. He was a mighty hunter, hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And this, this translation was one who stood as a warrior to fight the the influence of heaven. And, and in that regard, we know, verse 10, that he was a builder of cities, and the cities that he built were not cities that feared the Lord. You can see Babel there, which means confusion. Whatever a person who's offended and decides for rebellion and decides to walk contrary to spirit of God will build things that will perish along their rebellion god will deal with that and it says not only did he build the kingdom of babel where comes babylon babylonia um, and all these gods that were contrary to god in worship these cities were known by their pagan existence they didn't run according to the spirit of god verse 11 we see another city there a bad city called nineveh and that was incidentally the city that was so wicked and violent that God sent Jonah. But what happened to Jonah? Anybody know what happened to Jonah? He got offended. So he walked contrary to God and did not walk with God's game plan to save a city. In his offense, he went, I was just watching something this week. My mom sent me and he says, he went from the high hills of Galilee down to the plains of Nineveh down to the harbor, not to Nineveh, to the, to the city where, where he jumped on a ship. He went into the ship, to the bottom of the ship, thrown over to the deep sea to be swallowed by a big fish because of his offense. And what was he offended at? He was offended that God would have mercy on a wicked city. You would probably be offended too if God decided to love and save the one who offended you. Because God's not on that game plan. God's on the game plan of redemption. And he has, for every reason you have to leave, he'll give you a thousand reasons why you need to stay. And while you have a million reasons why you want to isolate and withdraw and continue to hold your grudge, I look over here to the cross of the one who gave his life for me. And he took everyone's offense and nailed it to the cross, my Bible says. Every offense nailed at the cross and he took upon himself those things that would lead to our deliverance and salvation 
here this mighty man who had his fist lifted up to God after the flood, built cities in rebellion against God, wicked, thoroughly dark cities. And there it is, Genesis 11, where we see the account, verse 1, the whole earth used to speak one language with the same words. What happens after offense? We're all speaking a different language. We cannot connect. That's straight from the pit of hell. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 37, let your yes be yes. Be in agreement. Let your no be no. Decide that you're going to stick with the things that are conducive for building up an agreement after the spirit and unity of God. That's how we celebrate Christmas. But not if you're offended. If you're offended, there's no motive to celebrate. And there's justification for you to carry offense to the next year. For whatever is more of these things is from the evil one. He's the one that causes us to build things that separate. The Bible says the whole world, Genesis 11.1, was of one language. And the people journeyed eastward and they found a plain in a city and they settled there. And they said to one another, verse 3, come let us build with bricks hardened through fire to build a strong structure so they use bricks for stone building materials or in verse 3 and they used martyr to put these bricks together verse 4 they said come again let us build a city for ourselves let us put our strength and mindset in unity that's not consistent with God and the Spirit of God. And if we don't do this, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. That means if God shows up again and deals with us after our sin, he's going to strike us again, again, moving in offense. Verse 5, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are unified in their purpose and they all have the same language this is the only beginning of what they will do in rebellion against me now no evil thing they imagine they can do will be impossible for them as i was watching yesterday beso send up a a launch rocket into space i don't know how many millions of dollars they must have spent trying to I think they were up there for a total of three minutes in space. And all they're doing is showing that they have money available to further the kingdom of God and the word of God, and they choose not to. They choose to have their own enterprises to, uh, enterprises to defy God, and they think they're going to live in the universe, and they're going to they're have an incredible surprise as God is watching their foolishness and their pride and their arrogance and possibly their offense and dealing with them according to their foolishness. And he says, nothing will stop them from doing continual evil things. Verse seven, he told the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, come, let us go down and confuse and mix up their language so they will not understand one another. And verse 8, it says, The Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. They had gotten high enough where it became 
a historical landmark in the area and talked about for years to come. And so I want to suggest that we are of a different sort. We are not going to allow us to be scattered because it's not according to the Spirit of God. We're not going to be abroad. We're not going to speak a different language. We're trying to find how to build each other up in love. That's what the Bible says. We're not going to walk contrary in offense like Jonah. We're not going to be the life inheritance of those that walk like Nimrod. Jesus would talk about these people even as they exist today in Matthew 24, verse 10. How many does the lineage of Nimrod existence in uh, still exists? It's a virus inside of man. Many, not a few, will be offended. And that offense will lead them to betray one another, be disloyal. And they will not love one another. They will hate one another. And this will give rise, verse 11, to many false prophets rising up and deceiving many. If you're, if you're tagged with that lace, that, that, that toxic disposition towards offense, and I, I want to tell you what is the greatest offense that people have. You know, after, after I've lived long enough, I'm 54 years old, you know the greatest offenses that people carry is not what's been done against them, but what they do to their spouse or to their loved ones, to their friends. I said, man, these people hold a bad grudge. Did somebody do something? No, but they touched his baby. They touched his wife. They, they talked about... So, so I see that the devil is carambola. That means he's doing one thing over here to grab another person over here. So you'll see offense taking place. And are you offended that they do something to you? No, they didn't do anything to me. But I heard they did this to someone else. And you're going around collecting offenses, thinking that you're Robin Hood. And you're just thinking, you're getting rocks to sink you down into hell. Many will be offended in the last days. And what will this cause? The, gr the love of many will grow cold. Let's read that in the next verse. Verse 12. And because of all this reckless direction will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Instead of being fervor fervent in love, our love has decreased. Offense has taken priority. We begin to commerce in the information that spreads this offense. Jesus said in Matthew 26, 31, all you, talking to his disciples, will be offended of me. When they saw that he was going to surrender to the cross, they all got offended because they thought he was going to be the mighty warrior king that was going to conquer the Roman Empire and when they saw him go into captivity and be crucified they all were scattered taking offense it is written I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered I'm reminded of even the man who said behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world you remember that man's name John the Baptist when he was taken prisoner and he was in prison and he sent disciples to talk to Jesus was I supposed to end up getting my head cut off I thought you were the lamb of God you were the Messiah you were the 
the great God that would come and deliver. So he sent disciples to inquire of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11. In verse 2, John the Baptist was in prison. And he heard about the works of Christ. He sent two disciples, verse 3, to question Jesus. Are you the one that's coming or do we look for another? Are you letting me down? Have you not? Well, why am I in prison? Why is my head about to be cut off and you're not doing anything about it? And Jesus directly tells him, go and tell John, verse 4, that what you hear and see, that the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are clean, and the deaf hear, and the dead are rise, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed, verse 6, look what he says, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. What is Jesus trying to tell us? That when he's not showing up like you thought he should show up and do what you thought he would do, now you're going to diminish his power and strength in your family because you're holding an offense and a grudge that doesn't allow you to accurately celebrate the holidays. And thus, the sermon title makes sense. They are offended even though they are mighty men at Christmas. I want to invite you this morning as we finish to consider bringing Jesus into the area where you are greatly affected and offended by injustice. And Father, we pray right now in Jesus' name through your Holy Spirit that you open the prison gates, that you break the chains that hold us in a disposition, a spiritual condition of torment and torture and relived agony and anguish as a result of the devil's schemes and the dispositions of our heart feeling betrayed. For we are the object and the apple of your eye. We are the most precious. And you've caused all things to happen for our benefit to turn us from the coming judgment and wrath and hell, eternal hell that is perpetual. And while the devil wants us to interpret the narrative of life's experience as improper and wrong and hurtful and painful, we pray that you heal our hearts this morning. That we can go to those places that we were made super vulnerable and taken captive to be unable to celebrate and rejoice, unable to Say thank you and be grateful and glorify the omnipotent, mighty creator. That in this life, there is plenty of scenarios that could justify us looking at life with grim and gloom and even bitter resentment. I pray that you would touch our hearts and our lives and our spirits and heal and restore and make things pleasurable in the light of your mercy and grace, your compassion, and who you are. For the devil makes no lack of opportunity to address every issue and give us a narrative bent on hell to take us captive into a dungeon of discontent and fear 
and that nothing we build in our lives, these mighty men who tried to build a tower above your judgment, above the realm of your touch, they were confounded because you rule and are sovereign over the affairs of men. Everything that happens is under your watch. And let us trust your hand and not be offended. Not be offended by the things that occur that are beyond our capacity to understand. So even now, as we're in the house of God and at the right place at the right time, hearing the right words, the opportunity to escape right now in Jesus' name, the opportunity to leave that land of despair, the desolation of a wilderness far away, to come into agreement with rebellion, with a narrative that God's not fair, that we won't let him judge the earth again. You are the judge of all things. You are a righteous and just judge. So let us come underneath your accountability and speak into our lives the things that make for life and peace and joy. We want to celebrate this season, not like the mighty men of old who were offended, but like the new men and women in Christ who know and trust a compassionate and merciful God. We give you thanks in the name of Jesus and the house of God says, amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. And on Wednesday night, we'll be together again. Tonight, Pastor Jose Rivera will be preaching at the evening service with Pastor Richie and Angie. Make yourselves available to a mighty word of God from the man of God in the house of God. God bless you. Open our eyes.